Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to give an in-depth reaction and analysis of the final Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker trailer. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Uh, the two Star Wars geeks together in a virtual room, uh, going to geek out, nerd out about Star Wars. Uh, but I guess before that, uh, tickets went on sale last night. Uh, they were supposed to go on sale when the trailer premiered during the the halftime of the, the football game. But th- they went on sale earlier than that because, I don't know, because they like to screw with us. Uh, did you get tickets, Brad? Yes, I did get tickets. Um, I was lucky that I did, though, because... I wasn't planning on being uh, online until, you know, into the football game since they had said tickets were going on sale after the trailer debuted. But I just so happened to check Twitter uh, at a time about 15 minutes before tickets actually went on sale. And I saw a bunch of people saying that they were supposed they were going to be going on sale at 8 p.m. Eastern. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> so I quickly started checking uh, Fandango and the theater um the theater chain website of the theater that i go to because it's the one that i usually go to for my imax screenings for opening night is a regional theater chain and they have their own uh ticket checkout system so i was i was basically just going to go with whatever was faster and fandango was available first but i kept trying to buy tickets and and it kept saying sorry your order couldn't be processed and last time that happened was with Avengers Endgame, and it was because the seats that I was was buying, one of them ended up being bought before my order could process. And I thought that's what was happening this time, so I just decreased the number that I was buying and tried to buy them uh, away from where I thought the seats would be. But it didn't work at all. So I went and tried. I went and tried the regional theater website, and that one I was able to get through right away. And it was very clear that no one was expecting tickets to go on sale right at that time because there were only it, um, they didn't go really quickly until about. 15 minutes probably after like I had already gotten my tickets. So I was able to get mine. I needed 18 of them for friends and family. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So I got them right away and I was so relieved as soon as I was done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had to get 11. Uh, luckily a friend got through and got them. Uh, I-, I think they're, they probably did this so that not everybody would be online at the same second because that would probably bring down servers. I remember that happened with, uh, what was it? Force Awakens or Last Jedi? I was one of those where like, AMC and Fandango, like they were down. It was like the first time I've ever seen that. Like you couldn't even access their websites. It was it was crazy. Anyways, it does it does seem it does seem kind of annoying though that they ha- they say like, hey, the tickets go on sale immediately after the trailers, and, and then two hours before the trailer even premieres, they're like, nah, tickets are on sale now. Yeah, stop lying to us, Disney. <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's talk about our brief reaction. I recorded. A an actual re- you can actually see video of me and Kitra watching the trailer for the first time. We put it on Ordinary Adventures uh, YouTube channel. I'll link that in the show notes. So if you want to see my first reaction, it's actually been filmed and it's on the internet forever for everybody to see and make fun of uh, me possibly crying on camera. Um, but uh, I will say this: I was not expecting this trailer to be emotional. Like I, I the last time I cried during a Star Wars trailer or you know my eyes watered up I think was uh one of the trailers for Force Awakens the second trailer for the Force Awakens the Chewie were home one and uh, nothing in Last Jedi got me in in that way uh I, I don't know I I thought that would kind of saw the the emotional beats that they were in a market for this film so I was kind of shocked that this was so emotional 
uh, that music was just, uh, I mean, it, it really pushes you over the edge after the C-3PO uh, moment. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and also, I was surprised at how epic this looked. That The final battle on both land and in in the skies, in, in space, uh, looks uh, really epic. Uh, what was your first reaction to this trailer? Uh, yeah, same here. This um, It was definitely an emotional experience, like you said, especially that 3PO moment. But the way the music swells in this trailer... And the this trailer for a final trailer doesn't really do what a final tra- trailer typically does, which is kind of lay out certain story beats and details that we didn't know. So we saw a bunch of footage that we didn't hadn't seen before, but we still have no indication of exactly what the the plot of this this one is, other than you know it will be the end of the Skywalker saga, which could mean anything. <laughs> um, so so, but I think that that's great because they're. They're keeping secrets. They're not trying to give anything away, but they gave us just enough, you know, shots with little details in there that we can glean to kind of figure out certain things that are happening in this movie. Okay, so now we're gonna break. We're gonna get nerdy. We're gonna break it down frame by frame. Uh, if you don't want to listen to that, tune out now. Uh, we're not gonna be relaying any information that we know. We have no inside information, no spoilers. But on the other hand. You know, we are going to be relaying information that is out there, like stuff from toys and stuff like that. So uh, if if you don't want to hear that, then tune out now. But um, I, I think it's pretty clear that we don't know exactly what's going on here. So I don't think you listening to this is going to spoil your enjoyment of the film whatsoever. But, uh, okay, let's dive into this. It starts with the Lucasfilm logo, which, by the way, I didn't mention this online, but I got to see some – footage from the Mandalorian. I got to see almost 30 minutes of footage from the Mandalorian uh, at a junket this past weekend. And I gave a reaction online. You can find that on Twitter. It looks amazing. But one of the interesting things about that, uh, the footage I saw, it opens up with this new like Star Wars fanfare, almost like, I guess, what Marvel does with their films. So I'm not sure if they're going to keep the Lucasfilm logo. I'm I'm assuming they are going to. But it it has, like, the Star Wars logo, and it's showing, like, all these helmets from throughout the eras of the Star Wars saga and, like, these interesting, like, lighting, almost like lighting from, like, if there was lightsabers near them. And then it's the Star Wars logo comes up. So, uh, So I'm wondering if this film will have that. Logo. I'm guessing not because they probably want to keep it uh, symmetric with the other films, the other you know eight films that precede it. Um, but okay, so the Lucasfilm logo comes up, and we see a jungle planet, and we see a helmet on the ground, which I, at first I thought was Luke's training helmet, but looks more like Leia's helmet from uh, Return of the Jedi. But it has like a like a, I guess a mask to blind, like you know. Uh, I'm guessing it has, the, it, has, it, has, it has the visor like Luke's training mask did uh, from from A New Hope, but the the helmet itself is definitely looks more like an Endor helmet. Yeah, and this is a jungle planet, so is this Endor? It doesn't seem to be, uh, and this this uh, is based on something that is will be in the new Star Wars Monopoly that's coming out, and one of the properties um, that is in place in the Boardwalk Park Place area. Uh, is a jungle planet that shows some resistance, um, like computers and stuff that they use for war strategy there. And it, the the location is called uh, uh, Asian Kloss. It's A J A N K L O S S. Two different words. Um, and I, I, we're not sure if that's how you pronounce it because some of these words we don't won't hear them until they're heard in the movie or, or somewhere else. Uh, but it appears that this is not Endor or Yavin Four, which is uh, where previous uh, Rebel posts have been. 
By the way, my one of my favorite parts or my not favorite parts about covering Star Wars for the site is when we're at like Comic Con or Star Wars Celebration and they're up on stage just saying like the names of new characters and not presenting us with the spellings. We're like having right? to guess it or wait until you know the Star Wars Twitter actually tweets out the actual spelling of these names. Uh, because if you said that name of that planet, I don't think I would have spelt it the way that it is spelled. <laughs> but um, okay, so she's running there. She's obviously. I'm guessing she's being trained by Leia. Yeah, at the very. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily sure that's clear that Leia is behind this training, but she's at least doing some kind of training. We we've seen that shot previously of Leia uh, in this same jungle setting with Rey, and they have a, a warm embrace, which we see again here in this trailer. Um, but yeah, this appears to be that same setting, and it's likely that Leia has maybe picked up where Luke left off, since we know that Leia is strong in the Force herself, as shown in The Last Jedi, and probably has some some wisdom to uh, impart on Rey as well. Okay, so Rey leaps into the air, and she lands on a structure that looks like in a, it's a broken structure inside the... You say the Death Star remains, but this this to me looks more like the uh, like the beginning of Force Awakens, where she's in the Star Destroyer. I um, mean, it's it's definitely a similar shot, but yeah. based on what we've seen in the previous trailers, I think it's pretty likely that she's inside of the the, the remains of that Death Star. Do you think she's like Force jumping in this training, or do you think this trailer is clip uh, cutting to later in the film? Do you mean, do I think, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. No, no, I, yeah, I think this just happens to be a crosscut that goes from this training shot to a completely different sequence ah. uh, in, in there. I think it's just a really a good piece of editing. Yeah. Um, next we see Finn. He looks to be on, I think, that the same planet that we see uh, Janna. Is that correct? Yeah, I, that, that's probably true. Um, it's I would I would bet that it's probably the same planet, too, where we're going to have that, that skiff chase. Which kind of has uh, I, I, looks kind of like a desert civilization um, in in the, at least the areas that we've seen. Uh, Pasana is the planet it's called. The, this you can see kind of like a or almost like a wheat field in the background. I'm not sure if the, this setting will be on that same planet. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's something that we're not entirely sure of because we don't even know necessarily where uh, he meets Jenner or anything like that. Yeah, and we see more of Ray training probably on Agent Kloss. Uh, I've seen some people tweet that some of these shots might be Leia training, like a flashback to Leia training. But if you go frame by frame, it's, it's clearly Daisy Ridley, right? Yeah, that's there's there's no way that that's Leia training training on this planet. Okay, uh, we see a resistance meeting, and here it's clear that the resistance is a lot bigger than we last saw, last saw them in the Last Jedi. The last Jedi, we saw the entire resistance fitting on uh, the Millennium Falcon, not just the Millennium Falcon, but in the chest from the Millennium Falcon, which doesn't fit that many people. Uh, probably like, what, a dozen people or something. Um, so now it looks like it has gotten a lot bigger. Uh, we know that there's a time jump here. Do we know how long the time jump is? Uh, it's about one one year after the events of The Last Jedi. We learned that when all of the Vanity Fair stuff came out before. So Leia put that call out to, to get help at the end of The Last Jedi from Crate, and it looks like some help has come. Um, in, in this resistance meeting, I mean, it, it's kind of like what we expect from a meeting of the resistance, but we do see some interesting people in the center there. Yeah, you can uh, you can see Lando Calrissian there because you can see his uh, yellow shirt sticking out and he's got his cape on. Three PO's there. Poe Dameron is the one that's leading the conversation, and so uh, it looks like we can e even see uh, Amon Calamari there, at which we had previously discussed in an article on Slash Film, might be Admiral Akbar's son. 
who was recently introduced in one of the Allegiance comics that is leading up to the Rise of Skywalker and fills in the gap between Last Jedi and this final chapter. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Admiral Akbar fans will get their due with his legacy continuing in this film, probably, um, we, we think. Uh, the next scene is where, you know, everybody's been saying, hashtag, where's uh, Rose? And uh, we do get one shot of Rose in, in this uh, trailer, and uh, it looks like she's aged, like, 10 years. Is it just me? Or, like, it seems <laughs> like she's uh, become a grizzled, uh, like, I don't know. She seems, like, so much younger and more naive in, in Last Jedi. And here it seems like she's she has a leadership role and she's more grizzled. Yeah, she definitely doesn't look as fresh-faced. And, you know, I mean, you know, war takes a hard toll on people. And I'm sure, you know, things like asshole trolls take a toll on people too <laughs> yeah. um but 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 yeah it's, it's good to see rose uh in this this particular shot she looks kind of concerned with something that's happening off screen and uh if you look behind her actually we'll get a you get a quick shot of dominic monahan who is standing next to billy lord and it seems like they're kind of beckoning her her to come with them uh and it's the rest of the people in this base around them are running and kind of in a hurry so we don't know if maybe the first order has found their base again and they're you know close to to finding them or what uh but that kind of goes hand in hand with the what happens in the next shot too because we see poe finn and chewbacca kind of turn around in a way where they're like what was that uh and so we're not necessarily sure what's what's going on with these two scenes or if they're even tied together it's also interesting that we still don't know dominic monaghan's character's name I mean, we know, you know, Billy Lord plays Lieutenant Connix, uh, and uh, usually at this point, I feel like the figures and everything is out, you know, we knew Constable Zuvio, <laughs> like at the beginning of the marketing <laughs> for Force Awakens, like we still don't know the Resistance uh, character's name uh, that is played by Dominic Monaghan. I'm guessing that it's a small part, and he came to JJ, you know, he worked uh, with jj previously and probably asked like you know is there any way i can be in this movie do you think that i don't know maybe i'm not i'm not necessarily sure that like too many actors are 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 like that where they're like oh man come on i need to roll in this movie but you know i, th- I think jj you know really uh, and i'm liked- not saying as like he's like looking the further his career but more like he loves star wars oh for, like, sure, for sure yeah. for sure but like i don't know I, I i feel like a lot of actors probably would feel that that would come off as like tacky or, or desperate but I'm, i'd be willing to bet that jj abrams probably likes you know dominic monaghan's work especially considering yeah. uh his great role on lost yeah for sure uh okay so there is that shot of finn poe and chewbacca in front of the 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 x-wing which is actually poe's new x-wing it's 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 orange we've seen this in the toys his black x-wing got blown up in the last jedi this is this is actually something that's kind of uh, bothering me because, you know, I go to Galaxy's Edge all the time, Brad, and the new ride, Rise of the Resistance, is going to be opening up in December and January in uh, Florida and in California. And in the queue for that ride is Poe's black X-Wing with BB-8 in the, the back and uh, we're getting ready to, you know, take off. And uh, here it's the orange X-Wing and that Galaxy's Edge is supposed to take place between Last Jedi and... This movie, which is, it doesn't make any sense. It's bothering me. Anyways, okay, I'll move on. We'll move on. Uh, I do like the orange uh, look. The orange kind of like, is it feels like a callback to the original trilogy, like colors. Like that. Aesthetic. Yeah, I mean, the original trilogy ships weren't super colorful, but they did have hints of it here and there. And uh, so, yeah. It's, I'm just saying I, like the X-Wing gear that like Luke Skywalker wore and stuff like that. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, what else do we see? Okay, so the next sh- shot is crazy. It is uh, a ship 
uh, like the it looks like the rebel blockade runner from Star Wars: A New Hope, but I guess like I, I've read in books that that was blown up by the Empire. So could it be the same ship? Is it the same ship? I'd imagine it's probably just a, a similar type of ship. It's uh, they're co- more commonly known as Corellian corvettes, and I would imagine that the rebels just happen to have another one there. What what I'm wondering though is uh, I'm not sure whether or not this ship is making a crash landing or if it's taking off in a hurry. Uh, because it doesn't look like it's damaged or, or going down quickly or anything, but it does seem kind of like it's flying somewhat haphazardly. So I'm I'm not sure exactly what's happening in that shot. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the next shot shows, I, I guess, the remain of the destroyed second Death Star from Return of the Jedi. Uh, the ocean uh, is crashing over um, it, and... Uh, there's a voiceover that says, people keep telling me they know me. And this, of course, Ray. And she says, no one does. And we see a shot of her with the lightsaber out uh, on top of the like, what looks like the remains of the Death Star. Like we see a big gun in the background. And uh, Kylo comes out of the fogs, a light, you know, his crossblade lightsaber drawn. Um, I mean, this is just leading us. This is teasing a confrontation between these two that this entire trilogy has been building up to, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's I think the setting is pretty unique. Uh, we haven't really seen a lightsaber duel in the rain like this, especially in such, you know, I, I think probably the last time we saw the um, an unstable, I guess, setting like this was probably when Obi-Wan and Anakin fought in uh, on Mustafar in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, so it's it's always nice when they kind of change up the, the lightsaber battle so it's not just happening in some kind of Empire or First Order hallway or something like that. Yeah, and I also think this this quote from Rey is telling that I mean, this trilogy is about her finding herself, her not, learning who she is. And I think she – we still have not seen – and I'm not saying like learning you know who her parents are, but like coming into her own self. Uh, you know, in 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 a variety of ways, and I feel like this film is gonna uh, end that arc as a whole and make that a cohesive trilogy of films. Uh, the next shot, when I saw it, looked like it was an ice mountain surrounded by waters. Like it, it seemed like it was like a uh, an island of ice mountains. But in your write up, you theorize that this is actually a ice planet. Yeah, so not necessarily a planet, but because I thought the same thing, because this shot showed up in a trailer promo yesterday before the trailer debuted with that had a couple bits of footage in it that we actually highlighted it yesterday. And I, I thought the same thing. I thought it was just this kind of ice mountain that was reflecting on this pristine surface of water and TIE fighters were flying towards it. But if you look at the shot, you actually see that this it's almost kind of like a, a giant ice asteroid that's in the middle of space. And it looks like that there are structures built into the ends of the ice, uh, basically what you would call the shore of this ice, um, big iceberg if it were to meet water. Uh, you, if you look very closely, you'll see like spires sticking out, and you'll see that there's even uh, like steam rising up from what is probably industrial things. And considering the number of TIE fighters that are flying towards it, I feel like this has to be some kind of uh, First Order stronghold. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And also the next shot, we see this throne. It's not the Emperor's throne that we've seen in Return of the Jedi, but it's a new throne. And this is actually, it has some origins and some Ralph McQuarrie concept art that uh, was tweeted out by some of the designers after the release of this trailer. As you know, Ralph McQuarrie is the concept artist who 
was very instrumental, uh, along with jo- George Lucas in designing the look of the original trilogy. And even uh, even J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams went back to some of the old Ralph McQuarrie concept arts for Force Awakens. A, a bunch of the stuff is inspired by him, and it looks like he's doing more of that because, you know, it. the look of Star Wars has much to owe to uh, Ralph McQuarrie. So. Yes, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's very cool to see how sketches that maybe couldn't be realized back, you know, in the 70s and 80s are being created today. Now, th- there's a thing I wanted to ask you here, because you, you say the First Order, this is a, could be a First Order stronghold. I think a lot of people are assuming that whatever the Emperor is doing is outside of the First Order, or not outside of the First Order, but he has his own fleet. Like in this next shot, we see this like Star Destroyer. But not like a Star Destroyer from, uh, you know, Force Awakens, but a Star Destroyer from the original trilogy breaking through a planet or ice. Yeah, Com- and and, see, and this is where kind of my my classification of whatever that ice thing is evolves a bit because it makes me wonder if maybe it's not necessarily a First Order stronghold, but maybe where the Emperor has been hiding out somewhere where no one can, will you know can find him or anything. Because it, it does appear that this Imperial Star Destroyer, as designated by those two uh, sort of globes that are on the, the end of the, the bridge part of the, the ship, uh, it does seem to be breaking through ice. Yeah. Um, and, and there is lightning striking around it. So we know that this is, wherever it's happening, it's happening where that massive fleet of Star Destroyers we saw was in the, the previous teaser from D23. I, I've also seen some theories that that planet, that ice planet could actually be cloud city a frozen version of cloud city do you think that's ridiculous i mean i i would say that that could that's not ridiculous in the sense of that it's probably just a, the best the easiest way to describe it is like oh if it's like if cloud city was frozen over or something like yeah. that well um, i, I think people so, are theorizing that because lando is in this movie so yeah I, I i don't think we'll see cloud city again in this movie yeah um okay the next shot is another shot we we saw yesterday as the tease for this trailer ramped up and this is a shot of the whole resistance fleet and this actually looks like even more people than we saw on the in the resistance gathering in the previous shot there seems to be hundreds if not thousands of different ships in here there's uh you can see the ghost from star wars rebels you can see what what might what might be the ghost we don't know it's 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 likely the ghost but <laughs> it's hard to tell because it's been 30 years since the, or, the events of what you know rebels was and that kind of thing would have would have well, unfolded so it's the same ship and the same color yeah. we should say that and there's a lot of easter eggs here there's actually a guy that did a roundup, a, a big Star Wars fan that did a roundup, pointing out every single ship that he could spot in this in this one, you know, few f- seconds of frames of footage. And I'll link that in the show notes. It's, it's pretty incredible. It, it makes me want to like, you know, shake this guy's hand and then give him a wedgie and be like, nerd. But <laughs> um, but it, it's pretty great, and uh, we're writing it up for SlashFilm.com right now anyways. Um, and we see the uh, Millennium Falcon come into the fight. So the Millennium Falcon is clearly going to be a big part of this final battle, we got to assume, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it flies in there, and it seems to be at the front of the fleet. Uh, this is presumably the massive you know, space battle that will happen at the end, likely involving all those other Star Destroyers, uh, probably tons of TIE Fighters. And yeah, we just, this this battle looks like it's just going to be insane. Yeah, we cut cut to a shot inside the cockpit with Ray and Chewie flying, and Poe and Finn in the background. Is this 
is this a little bit of J.J. Abrams' misdirection? Because I'm I'm guessing those people are not in the cockpit in that scene. Yeah, and that's exactly what I think too. Because if you if you actually look at that shot, um, it sli- starts to slightly zoom in on the Millennium Falcon, and I'm pretty sure that you can make out Lando's yellow shirt and cape sitting next to Chewbacca in that cockpit. And so, uh, if I think that that next shot with um all of our heroes in the Falcon cockpit is probably from closer to the beginning of the movie when they get ready to set out on you know what their adventure will be. Yeah, we see a little bit of the lightsaber fight between Kylo and Rey on top of the. Death Star ruins, uh, or the remains, whatever you want to call them. We then see a shot of an explosion in space. What do we think this is? This is one of the the things that's really hard to discern or figure out because the way it cuts to this shot is it cuts right when you don't get to see what it is that's exploding. You just see the explosion. Um, there, you do see faintly see a first order star destroyer. Uh, next to the explosion, but then it fades out too quickly to really get a grasp on what, what's happening or where. Uh, so I'm not sure if this, the, the Star Destroyer is what destroyed this, if there's another ship somewhere that blasted it. I, I don't know if it's a planet. I don't know if it was another ship. It, uh, is, or, is that even a First Order Star Destroyer? Could it be a Star Destroyer from Palpatine? I don't think so because it. The, if you look at the shape of it, it looks like it resembles um, the the Star Destroyer from, from the First Order. Yeah, I know there have been rumors that the Star Destroyers have been upgraded with Death Star technology. Which... Yeah, I will, we'll get to that later, actually, because there is a shot in this trailer where that seems to be very much confirmed. Okay, we'll get we'll talk about that later. We we then see what is this? The water skiffs navigating these crashing waves. Uh, what is going on here? Uh, I would imagine that this is probably Ray heading towards uh, the Death Star debris, uh, where she goes and confronts Kylo Ren. Uh, we, if you look to the right of the shot that we've that we screenshotted in our breakdown, you can see the um, the curvature of what is the concave circle where the Death Star laser shoots out of, um, and that's a piece of the Death Star that we saw at the end of the uh, first teaser trailer. So I'm betting that she she is probably setting setting out on her own to go, to go to that uh, part of the Death Star for whatever reason. Yeah, and then here's where it gets emotional. We cut to a scene where they're in kind of like a droid factory of some kind or a droid uh, repair shop, and there's that droid maker, Babu Frick. Uh, he's this cute little droid. Do we know if he's a puppet? He looks like a puppet to me. Yeah, he's, def- he's definitely yeah. a puppet. You, you can tell that's a practical creature. Yeah, and he's in the back of C-3PO's head. He's working on him in some kind of way. He's working on the wires. And we see BB-8 and Dio looking on uh, nervously, curi- curiously. I don't know. Uh, and then um, then uh, something happens, and uh, I think C-3PO says uh, – He's taking one last look, sir, at my friends, and I become a blubbering mess. <laughs> this, this is like, like what? I, I always joked, like you know, what's going to happen in these new Star Wars movies? Oh, uh, they're going to kill off C three PO, and like, oh, if they kill off C three, that won't mean anything. But in this moment, it means everything. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like, uh, like I've never thought about that. Like, w- what do you think is going on here? Like, I mean, and how do you kill C three PO? Is his memory being erased? Do they have to like reboot him? Is he gonna forget everything? Uh, I think. Yeah. No. What, what do you think is going on here? I think what's happening here is they need three PO to encrypt or decrypt so- something 
they need him to to translate it, and the only way they can do it is by reprogramming him. I don't necessarily know know what it is or anything like that, and I think that what this scene probably is is it's not actually him, um, you know, dying or, or like knowing that he's going to die, but I think he's saying this just in case something goes wrong and they can't bring him back online the way that he used to be. Uh, this is undoubtedly tied to that shot from the D23 teaser where you see him with red eyes. Uh, so Babu Frick clearly has to do something to him to change his programming. And so fingers crossed that they don't kill him because yeah, like, like you, I was very caught off by that moment and like suddenly so sad. And, and it was just like, like, come on, you gave the line that like brings tears to my eyes to see three PO. Yeah. And, um, it, it should also be mentioned that like we have a robot character here, uh, I guess coming to the realization that the people he serve are like, a meaningful relationship. Yeah, for sure. And like, I actually, uh, I wrote this on Twitter too. Uh, this, you know, feels a little more heartbreaking knowing that Luke and Leia and Han aren't there with him too. Yeah. Um, and then there's a shot of, uh, like C-3PO, like trying to calm R2-D2 down. And this is, uh, echoes the shot from, I think a new hope where he does that too um i don't know it, it's kind of heartbreaking and we see chewy, how, chewy. How, however I, I point this out in the breakdown i do not think that that shot of r2 is from that same sequence i think that that's oh. another bit of clever editing because if you look in the background there are other there are uh there's cloth and clothing back there from people and they are not people who are in that room with them because in that room it's only babu frick and those heroes and so i think this might be a scene from that resistance meeting that we saw earlier yeah there's also and, and, there's also lots of droids in the background. You can actually see a battle droid from the Star Wars prequels back there if you look carefully. Um, okay, then we see a shot in, I guess, on a Star Destroyer, first order Star Destroyer. There's some uh, – what is what is happening in this action scene? Yeah, so we have Poe, Finn, and Chewbacca. Who, they're just charging through a hallway that's on one of the First Order ships, blasting stormtroopers away as they shoot back at them. Uh, it's, it's kind of a cool shot because the reflection of the floor – creates this cool uh, symmetrical look um, like a, a split between the top and the bottom. And part of me wonders if this sequence might be tied to that explosion that we saw earlier. And that maybe there's maybe Finn and Poe and Chewbacca are like taking over a first order starter or something and they hijack it and use it for their own stuff for the, for the resistance. That That's just pure speculation on my part. Um, but I, I wonder if maybe, seeing that explosion from that Star Destroyer or something that they, it's like a turning point where they get and the, now they have something else that has even more firepower or something. Yeah. And then, and then the next shot, uh, we shift gears and we see BB-8 aboard one of those skiffs on the desert planet, planet of Pisana. And he's kind of like thrown in this, is that like uh, the back? Like maybe he's getting pushed because of the momentum of the ship or something? Or is he in like a basket? Almost looks like he's in a basket. But I'm guessing that's like the back, like, uh, corner of the sh- uh, of the ship of some kind. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and uh, we see those explosions in the air. This is something we saw in the previous trailer. It's, it's a colorful yellow explosion. It looks very J.J. Abrams. Uh, and these guys are having fun, like Poe and Finn. And uh, you know, you know who's not having fun? C three PO. But Poe and Finn are are having fun while this action scene goes by. And and uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure that they're having fun, but they're at least celebrating victory, presumably because they escape the, the troopers who are pursuing them. Yes. Uh, the, the point here is C-3PO is not having fun. And uh, <laughs> I, that score that that uh, comes up uh, using uh, John Williams themes, it, it's slowing down that classic Star Wars 
theme, uh, but it's not from. We don't think this is from the actual soundtrack. No, it's it's actually confirmed that it's not. It's um uh, apparently the uh, a trailer composer named uh, Blakus Blackus uh, worked with John Williams music and, and created the music specifically for this trailer. So this is not something that is directly from the score that uh, John Williams is creating. Yeah. Then, then we see a wonderful shot of Lando back in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon next to Chewbacca. Um, this is a homecoming for him because as you rem- might remember, he lost the Millennium Falcon to Han and that's how Han got the Millennium Falcon. So he's back in his original ship. Uh, and do, do we think this is where like Chewbacca is going to end Back with Land, I mean, with Lando, I feel like that makes sense for the ship and Chewbacca to end up with Lando. Uh, that would be pretty cool. You know, I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily sure that uh, someone like Ray has any need for it, and it probably means more to Lando than it does does to Ray. Uh, so I think that would be very cool if the Millennium Falcon ended up back in the hands of Lando Calrissian. Yeah. Um, I wonder if there's going to be any reference to um. His, his Lando's lost droid. Uh, what, what's her name? Um, L three three seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm guessing they're gonna gloss over it because they don't want to acknowledge the solo Star Wars story. But we'll see. Um, I, I, I hope he walks in the cockpit and he just starts kissing the ship all over. <laughs> that would be <laughs> awesome and creepy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the, the next shot shows a Y wing heading towards a star destroyer, and th- this Y wing shot almost looks like a shot that Ray. Uh, Ralph McQuarrie did for concept art as well. What do, what do we see here? Yeah, it's uh, clearly in the middle of this big space battle. There are a lot of Star Destroyers you can see uh, behind the primary one, and the Y-Wing does a barrel roll and blasts a TIE fighter that's coming towards it. And if you look at that Star Destroyer that's directly in front of that Y-Wing, there is a massive cannon uh, under that ship. It actually seems to be positioned in the same place where we saw the uh, Corellian Corvette from Star Wars A New Hope uh, get... Um, brought into at the beginning of that movie and so this this would seem to confirm very likely that star destroyers are now equipped with death star technology um that are able to destroy uh maybe planets at the very least massive ships with a single laser blast now uh one thing i think about here is power creep like now that star destroyers might have the technology to blow up planets like like, doesn't that, like, make this kind of, this game, this world broken in some way? What do you mean? Because, like, you have these ships that can jump to light speed. They can go wherever they want. They can blow up planets. Like, that seems, like, so overpowered. Now that that is, like, I, I think a lot of people said this with um, what happened in Last Jedi with someone using hyperspace to cut through a Star Destroyer as that, like, now that they've introduced that uh, why isn't everybody doing that? Well, I don't agree because then you still need someone at the cockpit and like you need a suicide bomber uh, to do that. And I don't think the resistance is willing to, you know, sacrifice people's lives. But um, I do think with this, like now that you've introduced the idea that Death Star technology could fit on a Star Destroyer, like doesn't that make the future Star Wars movies? I mean, assuming the future Star Wars movies take place after this one. In the timeline, doesn't it make it a little bit more complicated? Uh, possibly, but I mean, you know, you if you look at the First Order or the Empire as somebody uh, like, and not to make you know a comparison that probably will sound like um, I'm throwing shade or anything, but if you look at the First Order of the Empire, like Apple, 
they're probably not giving away the you know the their plans and how they use this technology to <laughs> anybody else besides them. So I imagine once they destroy all these uh, ships and things like that, no no one else is going to be able to figure out how to do that. Um, and even so, you know, just because these Star Destroyers are equipped with that kind of firepower, I I imagine it pro- they probably aren't necessarily able to rapid fire that kind of laser blast, and it probably takes a while for it to charge up to be able to shoot something that powerful. Ah, yeah, yeah. So it does have a downfall. Like, So people that could be in the way, well, a planet that's in the way can't move. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to... See, I, I want to see how this plays out in the movie. So then the next shot, we it seems like we're continuing to do stuff with Star Destroyers that we haven't seen before because we have Finn and Janna riding uh, whatever the Star Wars equivalent is of horses. Uh, these these new alien creatures uh, that act as basically their, their steeds, uh, along with a bunch of other Resistance people who are also riding those creatures or just running. And there's Star Destroyers in the distance behind them, lightning striking, and it looks like they're running across the surface of a Star Destroyer, which is kind of crazy. And I don't know how they're doing it. Wait, so is this Star Destroyer in space? Can they breathe? That's the thing. Is like I, I don't know if all these Star Destroyers are somewhere where they're like inside a contained atmosphere or something like like that. Yeah, it's it's very hard to tell what's, what's going on here and how that's possible. Yeah, maybe they haven't taken off yet. Maybe they're on that ice planet below the ground or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. But all I can tell you is BB-8 has never moved this fast in his entire life. <laughs> He's, like, rolling like I, I've never seen him before. Uh, the next shot looks to be in the Emperor's throne room from Return of the Jedi. Uh, it, it's that iconic uh, window in the background, and we have Kylo and Rey looking like they're about to face off. But is is the Emperor there? No, but you do see his throne in the background where it was uh, positioned in front of that window. Uh, it's facing them, but it is seems to be busted off its base, and everything around them in the room is, uh, you know, destroyed as it would be if it crash landed on a planet surface. How do you feel about them returning to this iconic location from the original trilogy? Uh, you know, I mean, it makes for a cool visual. I'm I'm wondering how this confrontation plays out though, because if this takes place in the throne room of the Death Star, then I wonder what happens between here and that fight uh, out where the ocean is crashing on other parts of the debris. Does does the fight move from outside to in, or does it move from inside to outside? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, uh, it's very unclear. Uh, the next shot has Finn on the remains of the Death Star outside uh, where the water is. What is going on here? So here, it looks like maybe he arrives uh, where Ray does, on not not in the exact same spot that she was standing, obviously, but he seems to be running after her because he he's sh- clearly shouting after her, and we know that she was going towards this you know part of the Death Star, and so I wonder if maybe she's following something that Finn doesn't think it's a good idea, and that maybe it's a trap or something like that. Uh, but he's clearly shouting after her. You can see Janna in the background as well. Uh, so I yeah, this is a, a shot that we're, I'm not necessarily sure you know he but he looks angry or scared or something as he, as he's shouting after and it echoes a shot that we see in force awakens when he shouts after her after kylo uh picks her up and takes her prisoner um after they attack maz Kanata's castle yeah and there uh the next shot i think might be one of the most interesting in terms of analysis it takes place on i think a first order or yeah it's probably a first order ship it looks very much like a star sh- destroyer like has those like 
beam like window, like white windows in the, the background. And but it's all white, which is something we we haven't seen. Have we seen white from enough Star Destroyer before? I'm trying to um, remember. Not like this. Yeah, I don't think. not like this. But it, and and it looks like Kylo and Ray are fighting with lightsabers, and there's this big black statue in the middle that gets. Uh, cut down and destroyed, but it isn't a black statue. When I saw this for the second time while I was watching it for the uh, w- when it aired, I noticed that that thing on top of that black pillar, it's actually a black pillar, um, is Darth Vader's original helmet, the one that burnt, uh, the one that we see Kylo speaking to in Star Wars The Force Awakens, um, which it, I'm not sure how he rescued that because that, as far as I know, that was on Starkiller Base. Which you know got destroyed pretty fast in Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Um, so I'm not sure how he got, but anyways. So maybe that was on his private ship, whatever um, the case. But he has that. It makes me wonder, like when he was talking to that that helmet of his grandfather, could it be possible that what he was hearing back was was actually the Emperor? That the Emperor was communicating with him through it somehow. Uh, I suppose it's possible that would be pretty menacing, and uh, I'm not necessarily sure that Kylo ever actually, you know, heard anything when he was talking to it, but more so just used it as this kind of relic to to worship, you know, kind of like. But, but he does know, say he does say, "Show me again." Um, I forget what the line was, but show me like it, it seems like there's an a conversation. There. Do you know what I mean? It seems like there's an yeah. interactive, like it's not just like he's talking to himself, but I, but maybe I could be reading too much into it. It's possible. It's, it's certainly possible. And uh, there's something else in the scene that a lot of people might overlook. And what is that? Yeah. So uh, as soon as the, the, like the mon- monolith base, whatever you want to call it explodes after it gets hit with Ray's lightsaber, if you go frame by frame and you look at Ray, uh, her lightsaber is in her right hand, but in her left hand, she's holding something else, and it appears to be some kind of dagger. And there have been rumors suggesting that uh, a Sith dagger is a very important uh, prop, uh, a MacGuffin, in this movie. And so we're not necessarily sure why or what it does, um, or even wh- how she has it in this scene, or, or anything like that. Um, some have suggested that maybe this could be the dagger of, uh, Mortis, Mortis, uh, from Clone Wars, uh, which would be, make it a pretty, uh, important relic. It doesn't really look like that though, because it, it seems like it's, um, smaller than that and, uh, doesn't have a a similar shape, but clearly what she's holding is, is important. I, I actually wonder if maybe this is some kind of, uh, extension uh, and evolution of the, the force, um, Vision, uh, not visions, but the for- force casting that they're able to do with each other, and that maybe they're not in the same room when this happens, but somehow it still causes you know her to be able to to do this in there. I'm I'm not sure. I mean, they they were able to interact with the the force projections. We saw like the water touch. Um, who was it, Kylo or something? Yeah, uh, so yeah, that, yeah. That, that is possible. And we have like seen some hints that there's gonna be like a force projection lightsaber battle, uh, with some of the concept art that, uh, the, like the cover of that concept art book. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm wondering what this dagger has to do with anything. Um, I mean, bringing it back to the Sith, um, it's definitely, I think, JJ trying to connect this with the original trilogy, um, trying to make this a 
you know, an end of not just this trilogy, but to the nine episode saga. Um, so I, I, I'm, th- I'm guessing this is going to be the MacGuffin of this movie in some sort. Um, but OK, so uh, next shot, uh, we see some lens flares because, of course, J.J. Abrams, right? And, yeah, exactly. He's got to be a lens flare shot in there. Yeah, uh, we see some other uh, battle in space. We see a, a ton of. Um, yeah, this uh, just further confirms that the the resistance on those horse alien things are riding on on some kind of ship, and in the distance you see all these star destroyers. So, like, is this space? Is this like I don't I don't know what's going on. They're in the, in air, so maybe they're like in this atmosphere. I don't know. That's that's weird. I don't. I'm really curious how that works. Okay, then we cut to the shot of Kylo. He's without his mask, but we see a little bit of light on his face. Um, it's an intriguing shot because, like, it, it kind of hints that the darkness hasn't totally consumed him, maybe? That's what it seems like to me. It seems like there's a metaphor in the shot. I mean, yeah, it does seem like there could be an. I, what's interesting about this shot is there's a moment of consideration before he actually makes a step forward and goes wherever he's walking towards. And I, the, the, I feel like the, the shot maybe could be a turning point for him, maybe where he, uh, we do finally see the redemption of Ben Solo in some capacity. Uh, but, you know, without knowing what's happening in that, that scene in this entirety, that's just purely a, a wild guess on my part. Here's the question. I, I know we've discussed this in the past, but, like, can Kylo be redeemed? He not only was in charge of that Death Star blast that killed an entire system of planets, but also, um, you know, killed the entire, what, Republic? Um, it, he also <laughs> was personally responsible for killing Han Solo, his dad, someone we love um like is there any room for redemption i mean if darth vader can be redeemed then i i I say you know why not you know darth vader at the last minute return of the jedi through the emperor uh over the the edge into the um whatever you want to call it the death star return of the jedi the uh you know where those energy beams were uh and the shaft and he you know, killed all those younglings uh, when he turned to the dark side and has probably been responsible for countless more deaths. Uh, I mean, he was aboard the Death Star, and even though he didn't make the decision to destroy Alderaan, uh, he certainly didn't try to stop them. And so Darth Vader's done some pretty bad shit, too. But, you know, we were able to see him come back, and uh, he became a Force ghost alongside uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan, the latter of which he also killed. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I think that Ben's could easily be redeemed, you know, whether or not audiences buy it and uh, are happy with it is another story. By the way, I, I don't hate to, I don't want to piss anybody off in bringing up religion here, but one of the things that bothers me most about like the Catholic Christian religion is the concept that like we could be horrible people that live a totally horrible life, you know, destroying other people, and then at the in on our deathbed. Uh, you know, take God as our savior and, you know, uh, apologize and repent and we are always forgiven. <laughs> that's, that's, it seems like BS, but anyways, okay. Uh, I, I guess that it start you know, the force and Jedi is kind of like a religion. Um, okay. Uh, we, the next shot is the most that we're going to get to see, I guess, of the emperor before this film comes out. We see a throne it doesn't look like it's at eye level it looks like it's it's 
elevated in some way? Is it floating? I don't know. There's some wires coming out of it. Is the emperor? We don't really get a glimpse of the emperor. Like, what do you think he? Like, do you think he's healthy? Like, do you think? Do you think he's him? Do you think he's a clone? Do you think he's in a different body? Is he? Like, what? What is going on here, Brad? I, I'm as as confused and perplexed and wondering about all this as as you are because uh, we see that he, he is back in his normal black cloak, but he he is sitting in something. It, it's not his old throne. It seems to be some kind of contraption that's moving towards Ray because she she steps back, but she's looking up at him. So it's something that clearly keeps him higher than you know being as at the height of a normal person. So I'm I don't know I'm I'm really hoping that he doesn't have this kind of like spider-like contraption like um like loveless did in wild wild west because <laughs> i think that that would just be kind of goofy and it's that, that's not something that we you know is unknown in star wars too because darth maul famously had a contraption uh that was like that which was very weird um, it gave like but, spider like like android leg kind of thing yeah and so and that was kind of cool for somebody like darth maul but i feel like seeing the emperor like that would just feel really hokey and weird um so I, I would imagine that he probably isn't in as good of health but at the same time if he weren't you know what makes him so menacing to ray you know other than the fact that, the, that he's the emperor does she know who he is you know is she just merely being cautious because she senses something in the force uh you know is the emperor dangerous anymore that's it would seem to indicate that he is but but how i i think Everybody knows who the emperor is. He's like the Hitler of this world, right? Like he or probably even bigger than that because he was responsible for a war that lasted many years. And but I I do think you make a good point. Like, what is that fear in her? Like, why is she afraid? And I think it goes back to like this, the whole arc of this trilogy of her in self-discovery, us seeing like in that last trailer that uh, what we must assume is a vision of her turning to the dark side. I think she's afraid she has she has the dark side in her. She feels that she hears the voices in her head. And I I think she's afraid of herself is what I think. I think that's, that's definitely true, um, but I, I am interested to see what the Emperor does, if he does anything more than just sit there and be yeah. menacing. Well, here's a question. Why, why does he need her? Because, like, she, he's obviously, like, she's come there to him. It, it, I don't know. It seems like he, he needs her for some reason. Like, what is the purpose? I'm not sure. And I, part of me wonders if maybe it's it's all this kind of thing where – you know, in the original trilogy, one of the things that the Emperor, w- you know, said was, you know, everything is going according to plan or everything is proceeding as I have foreseen it. So he clearly has some insight into what will happen in the future. And the, the, the line of dialogue he has in this trailer is kind of interesting because he says, long have I waited. is like now your coming together will be your undoing. And it seems like he maybe he was talking about Kylo and Ren coming together or sorry, <laughs> Ray and Kylo Ren coming together. Uh, because that's, you know, kind of the big thing of like, they obviously have some kind of strong connection between them, you know, what, maybe what happens when these two do get together. But at the same time, why would he say, you know, finally, uh, you know, now you're coming together will be your undoing, you know, cause that would seem to pl- apply to Kylo Ren as well. So why would he want them both, you know, to, to basically be undone? I, I think that that line is actually in reference to maybe the entirety of the resistance and anybody who ever, you know, stood up against the the Empire or the First Order, 
finally coming to fight them and they can destroy everybody. And so like everybody coming together, you know, everyone thinks that maybe it's this good thing because they have the power to finally take on the first order. But the emperor is like, no, he's like, this is how, how, you know, I will finally defeat you because you're, you know, you're all here. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I think it has to do with Kylo and her. I, I know I've outlined this on the podcast in the past, but I, I do think that we're going to find out her origins come somehow from the dark side, just as Kylo comes from the good guys. She comes from the bad guys. If that means that she's Palpatine's granddaughter or if she's I, I don't even know what what it is. But like I feel like there's symmetric symmetricalness of that that like George Lucas would have loved. And um I I don't know. I think that that leads up to this final this final confrontation and like what's going to happen. Will Kylo redeem himself? Uh, some people seem to think that this final battle is going to be the first order teaming up with the resistance to go against the the empire. Do you think that's possible? Uh, gosh, I don't, I haven't even considered that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't think so. Like that that just wouldn't make. Yeah. sense to me uh and you mentioned a line from this trailer we haven't talked much about the voiceover lines but there is a line uh that we hear uh luke skywalker and voiceover saying confronting fear is the destiny of the jedi I, i've seen a lot of talk online of people saying that's jj's one fu to last jedi in, the, in this trailer uh what do you think it's, but but it's not though because like that we've already seen Luke's arc and he he did end up coming back and confronting fear and realizing but he, but he confronted he was, it from the uh, from the comfort of his house you know many light years away yeah i mean sh- sure but like it's <laughs> he he came to the realization that he was wrong yeah you know and it, it took the push from yoda to do that but it's it's not as if you know luke really was a coward like that he made a mistake as anybody does uh, you know, I mean, I, I talked about this before, back when everyone was complaining about how Luke Skywalker would never do that, and it's like, what happened after Order Order sixty six was executed? Ewan McGregor and Yoda went into hiding. They they basically did the same thing that Luke did, and they stayed away from everything until they were basically, you know, and Obi Oh Yoda stayed until he he died and basically didn't come back. And the only way reason Obi Wan came back is because stuff fell into his lap. So it's and that's exactly what happened with Luke, except, you know, Luke just didn't, you know, leave the island to to do it, to follow up on it. But he still changed his mind and, you know, became the hero and the the, the spark, as they say, that convinces other people to rally behind the resistance again. Yeah. Um, this last shot, I think, uh, is one of my favorites. I One of my favorite shots of all of the Star Wars movies is actually from JJ's The Force Awakens. And it's that moment that we're on a close up of Rey and she's fighting Kylo Ren on a Starkiller base. And it's a shot of like her trying to find it within herself. And I feel like this is like an echo of that shot. But in this shot, it's different. The shot, her lightsaber is on one side of her, her face is half in light, half in dark. What, what do you think of this final shot? Yeah, it's a very cool shot, and uh, I do like that the, um, the the contrast of the light on one side and dark on the other. But I think what I, I like most about the shot is just the the sheer emotion that's on display on her face. Yeah. You can see that there are tears welling up in her eyes, and she doesn't look scared, but she looks like she like has this swell of uh, confidence and hope, and like like what I, like something like she like she feels something inside of her in this moment that will 
push her forward, you know, here. And then whatever happens next, you know, will be, you know, this is where Ray really taps into like who she's supposed to be. Yeah. And then we get the voiceover of Luke Skywalker saying the, uh, the force will be with you. And of course, Leia adds always, which <laughs> just give me a lump in the middle of my, uh, my chest. Uh, yeah. So, uh, a beautiful trailer. I uh, this is gonna be the final trailer. So I mean, I guess we will get TV spots at some point, but this is the final piece of big marketing for Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. I feel like if you've seen this trailer and you're not excited for this movie, then, <laughs> then I, don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how you have a heart or or you know w- what's going on uh, that you couldn't be excited after seeing this trailer. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, Fred? No, I feel the same way. You know, I did see some people complain last night. They were like, the, the, all it did was show us a bunch of, you know, normal Star Wars moments of like, oh, here's some fighting and here's some cool settings and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but it's the, it comes with the weight of the entire franchise behind it. And much in the same way that the marketing for Avengers Endgame utilized a lot of old footage from the Marvel movies that came before it and only showed, you know, a minute of new footage in a trailer that lasted two minutes. JJ is clearly showing us here just, you know, small snippets of things that provide the vaguest hint of what's coming in this movie. He's holding so much back, not giving us, you know, any hint of a story because it's something that he clearly wants us to experience in theaters and watch it unfold that way and and not spoil anything. Yeah, no, we're bringing a lot to this from, like, the combination of all the things released, like toys and and books and whatever. Uh, By the way, they released a new poster yesterday alongside of this which is incredible like i feel like this is the first uh star wars poster from this new trilogy that i want to have on my wall like it's so uh colorful it's modern it's uh but at the same time it has reflections of the old like it has a white border which is something we don't usually see nowadays but you know we used to have them on the old posters uh and it should also be brought up that uh that carrie fisher uh, as top billing on the, the the starring roles on the bottom of this poster. Nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have any thoughts on the poster? I like the poster. I'm not necessarily a big fan of the white border. Um, I feel like it, I, I, I'm a, I, I think it can work sometimes, but I like more when the poster just bleeds right to the end and there, there isn't a, a border created by white like that. But I do like the, the imagery and I, I do miss the more illustrated style of Drew Struzan uh, yeah. when he did the posters, but it's it's this is still pretty good. Okay, so that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. Uh, where can people find more of your work online, Brad? Of course, SlashFilm.com uh, Always writing on there. You can also find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton, and also my own podcast Go Flix Yourself on iTunes and other podcasting platforms. You can find more of all the stories we talked about on today's podcast on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. Uh, this podcast is published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com and uh as always, please leave your name and general geographical location in case we mentioned the email in there. Please rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow. So so I, I think we went an hour on a trailer that was less than three minutes long. <laughs> oh, well. What is the spoiler review going to be like? It's going to be like 10 hours? Probably.